0: Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Trish, your bartender for today. And I'm Sloan, your crime tender for today. And today we are bringing you the case of Patricia Allenson. Mm-hmm. The name does not ring a bell to me, but Sloan said it. it's probably one that once I hear the story, I'll be like, oh yeah, oh yeah. But yeah. I just want to know why you keep doing Patricia because um, I make it makes me you know sad for my name
1: uh- <laughs>
0: <Patricia>. <laughs> ever since that movie came out you want to know all I hear whenever anybody hears my name's Trisha and they're like wait is this short for Patricia and I'm like yes and they go Patricia and I'm like stop it I think I'm in trouble
1: That's why I call you Trish. <laughs>
0: but i'm excited to get into this we're gonna go ahead and kick you off to the episode this little uh, struggle bus hot mess express motorcycle with the flat tires keep moving on
1: <laughs> on the note of the hot mess express we once again want to apologize for the sound sounding a little bit different Um, the mattress is still in the living room for me to sleep sleep on with the dogs, which means it's not in here softening the echoes in our recording studio, our fancy, fancy recording studio. (laughs) Closet (laughs) recording studio, you You know. (laughs) Yes. If you don't know the story, we record in my, um, master closet slash laundry room And we usually have a twin mattress like on the floor in here and it helps soften the sound, but it is not in here. So it's going to be a little bit weird, but just hang out with us for a little bit. We are, uh, like she said, a motorcycle with a flat tire, just making our way through life and making the best of our situation. So without further ado, we will send you off to the alcohol because you're going to need it.
0: Alright, so welcome to another round of drinks with your bartender Trish. And staying on the Murder Creek Moonshine kick that we did in the last episode, I'm going to talk about their Mint Chocolate Moonshine, which is so good. Chef's Kiss, so good. It, oh my god, my mom does not really like Moonshine. She's just, she's very picky. She doesn't really like to taste her alcohol and certain things so like moonshine she doesn't like the burn that moonshines have a lot of the time but we let her try this and then her and my dad went on like a little mini trip down to the beach and made sure to stop at murder creek and they picked themselves up a jar of this
1: (laughs) they did not let us know because i would have gotten the orange dreamsicle
0: (laughs) but It is so good. It tastes like a Girl Scout thin mint cookie. You do not taste any of the freaking alcohol.
1: Trish is a like thin mint type of hoe.
0: I'm a thin mint hoe, okay? Put it in the freezer. Give it to me straight. I don't care. I will eat a whole box in
1: one sitting, okay? (laughs) I'm a little bit pickier about my like chocolate mint pairings. I will go through like the Olive Garden. (laughs) chocolate mints by the handful oh handle. my god those are not safe around me i will eat them all nope and i have like, to hide them and the same thing for the little hotel mints that they used to leave on the pillows like those i could get in some serious trouble with but like the girl scout thin mint cookies give me the peanut butter one like i it's it just it, it but this moonshine i love me some so good it oh my gosh it is Sip so it good plain put it in your coffee put it with some chocolate milk.
0: I don't say we haven't tried mixing it with a lot of stuff just because we it's love it good. straight.
1: But I can tell but, you what oh, it would taste good with.
0: Mom made it into a, um, a bushwhacker. It would make a great espresso martini. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Gonna
0: yeah. have to try that. But yes, mom made it into a bushwhacker and that was so
1: good. I don't know if I would waste it on a bushwhacker though. We're not fans of frozen drinks. Like, as bartenders, it's it's like a little snooty thing amongst bartenders because frozen drinks water There's so down... There's They're They're more effort. It waters down the alcohol flavor of the drink, in my opinion. It does slow down our drinking pace. So, that is the one pro. But we just tend to avoid frozen drinks unless we are sitting on the beach. Yeah. But, yes. This mint
0: chocolate moonshine is so good you taste no alcohol content to it whatsoever i was gonna say that with cream soda would be good that'd be interesting it would be good we have to try it out yeah but i think it's like 40 percent. i'd have to honestly look at the thing but oh it is right. well worth it. it is so good like i said if you're not one that really likes to taste your alcohol
1: and a lot of the times, oh. these kind of flavors are the cream flavors, and this but one is, this
0: one's not. It's not a cream; it is a straight moonshine.
1: Yes. So, highly recommend if you find yourself anywhere that you can find Murder Creek. Most places. I'm not sure one, how
0: how far out of Alabama, if at all, it goes. Mississippi,
1: Tennessee, and Georgia, and Florida for sure. As far as you're like, as long as you're closer to the um, state lines but i want to say that you can order from their website too probably but there's like their moonshines
0: literally almost every single one is good the one that i know we're we're not fans of
1: strawberry cream
0: yeah the strawberry cream it looks like pepto bismol it tastes, tastes like, like pepto bismol and do it. not good not good the guy that we did our last tasting with mixed it with like i think their chocolate one and that was tolerable yeah but still yeah. wasn't
1: great. Yeah, that's the only moonshine that I would like recommend staying away from there. But otherwise, they everything are all else so fire. good,
0: so good. But like I said, we don't have as many of the moonshines from them at, in our arsenal just because we have one. I have so many of like my other ones from Gatlinburg. That I'm
1: like, all right, I need to drink through some of these. Two, we only saw them in our liquor stores, and then we found out that they had the store at OWA, and they did the samplings, and yes. so we are big fans of the cheap-ass samplings. Yes! <laughs> and so once we started sampling them, we were like, oh shit, we've got to buy these now. So, like said, give us some time. We'll definitely
0: put a few more of these in
1: our arsenal, and
0: we will bring you... Updates on what we think you can mix certain ones with. We already know, like I said, she's brought up the orange cream sickle one. We already know you mix that
1: one with some cream soda. It's amazing. But once again, just sip it on its own and it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. But But we'll talk about the other mixings as we buy those. Um, But in the meantime, for the rest of the summer, we're bringing you moonshines from Tennessee. Uh, we both are big fans of Gatlinburg and have brought home a lot of treasures. <laughs> over, the I years. really
0: want to talk about my one buddy's, uh, my family, I should say, my family's buddies, Moonshine. But that one you can't, you can't get anywhere. You have to literally come <laughs> visit us, and I can give you a sample. You have to buy from Trish.
1: <laughs> but it is, oh, his is—it's a- an apple cinnamon, and it tastes like a cinnamon apple it's pie. So cool so smooth i feel bad talking about it because you just you have to come visit me and trish to try it right it's uh look forward to seeing (laughs) y'all what that means that will kick you off to the episode (laughs) today we are talking about patricia van she was born in 1937 she was adored by all of her aunts and especially by her grandmother She was a beautiful child with big green eyes and blondish hair. She was quick and clever and grew up to be be a beautiful teenager. Pat was spoiled by her mother, Marguerite, and stepfather, Colonel Clifford Radcliffe. She grew up to be an army brat, though. She even had a younger stepbrother named Kent, whom whom she loved to bully and tease without mercy. Which leads to the darker side of Pat. If she didn't get her way, she would always throw a temper tantrum, and if that didn't work, she manipulated to get her way. She learned how to charm both men and women, especially if they had something that she wanted. Some would say that Pat was destined to become a teenage mother. Her family tree was filled with women who had started motherhood at an early age, and the fact that they could not financially support these children was of little concern. It wasn't a huge surprise when Pat found herself knocked up and unwed at 15 years old. She married her teenage boyfriend, Gil Taylor, and left her childhood home with her hopeful young Army sergeant husband. The two embarked on a military life together, and soon they had three children in total, Susan, Debbie, and Ronnie. But she discovered that she didn't want all of the hard work that involved in being a mother, and the lifestyle in the military was not her dream of having a fine home and raising horses. So Pat did what she always did, appealed to her parents for help. Soon enough, Pat was living with her parents, children in tow, and Gil was often off on his deployments alone. The marriage started falling apart, and in 1971, the young couple got divorced. While many young mothers would have felt defeated after a failed marriage, Pat did not. She had big dreams. All she needed to do was find a wealthy man and convince him to marry her. Of course, this meant she'd have to leave her children behind with her mother to raise, but in a family used to teenage pregnancies, this was not only normal, it was sort of a family tradition. Over the course of a few years, Pat dated many men, but none struck her fancy. That is, until she met Tom Allenson in 1973. Tom was young, handsome, and came from a wealthy Georgia family. Bonus, he was just as passionately interested in horses as she was. His father, Walter Allenson, was a prominent Georgia attorney, and Tom was everything that Pat had ever wanted. Pat cared very little that Tom was six years her junior, and he was also a married man with a young child. Her only focus was his money, and she was determined to get it. Mm
0: hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep. yep.
1: <laughs> Checks. Yep. Pat's high-maintenance attitude seldom earned her the favor of other women, but she was a skilled seductress when it came to men. Tom was no exception, and around the time that he met Pat, Tom was going through an ugly divorce from his first wife, known as Little Caroline.
0: I was literally like, I've been listening, I was like, is she a fucking Sagittarius? And then I looked it up, I'm like, she's a Leo, that explains so much, (laughs) that explains so much. Okay,
1: moving on. It it does, it does. (laughs) However, the biggest problem the couple faced was Tom's parents, Walter and big Caroline Allenson. They did not approve of Pat, and they were gravely disappointed in Tom and viewed the divorce as not being an option. They sided with little Caroline, and the relationship between Tom and his family deteriorated. Regardless, as soon as the divorce was final, he proposed to Pat. And although she played coy with, you don't want to marry me, a few times, she ultimately agreed. Meanwhile, accusations and threats were flying between both the young couple and his family. But to Pat, she was finally living her dream. That's all that mattered. Pat always compared herself to Scarlett O'Hara, the protagonist from Margaret Mitchell's 1936 novel Gone with the Wind. And if you don't know what Gone with the Wind is, please look it up. (laughs) Educate yourself. Scarlet was a young woman who knew what she wanted and wouldn't stop until she got it, thinking of nobody other than herself. This is how many would describe Pat. To anyone who knew Pat, it wasn't a surprise that she would choose a Gone with the Wind theme for her wedding. Yeah, that's right. Her wedding. She and Tom wed in Scarlet and Rhett-style clothing, and the bridesmaids wore the dresses of southern bells, complete with the parasols. When the ceremony was complete, the couple was whisked away in a horse-drawn carriage. It was certainly a wedding event to remember. I mean, like, I would love to attend a wedding like that, but I would never have a wedding like that. Yeah. I am a sucker for a good theme. Like, I love a good theme. But I would not ever call myself Scarlett O'Hara. No. And I am, yeah. I am the first to admit that I am dramatic, but I am not Scarlett O'Hara. I can say that much about myself. <laughs> What might, have been obvious to others ap- what might have been obvious to others appeared not to be so to Pat. Independently, Tom was not wealthy. It was his parents who were wealthy and controlled the purse strings. Yet, try as she may, Walter and Caroline Allenson refused to accept their son's divorce, much less his remarriage to some floozy girl with an overinflated sense of self-worth. Tom's parents felt that he had done what he had done was a disgrace to his family. Tom didn't care. He was crazy about Pat and determined to give her everything she wanted. So despite the payment being a strain on the household budget, the couple purchased a 52-acre farm in Zebulon, Georgia, with a gorgeous old home Pat named Tara. Does that sound familiar? Tara is the house in Gone with the Wind. Yeah. And set about their life raising and showing Morgan horses. The heavily mortgaged estate was quite the attraction and even earned a visit from the governor, Jimmy Carter, the then governor, Jimmy Carter. To those with only an outsider's point of view, it would seem that the Allinson's wealth extended to Tom, but the young couple's monthly debt to income ratio said otherwise. Walter and Caroline were so disgusted with their son and his decision that they removed him from their lives and their wills. So now they have no chance of getting any money. <laughs> Instead of Tom inheriting his parents' estate, his son and his ex-wife would inherit his parents' estate instead. Not the ex-wife. Oh, yes. Big Caroline was leaving everything to little Caroline, who was not even her blood relative. Oh, God. (laughs) Pat was outraged. Nobody, especially not Tom's parents, was going to stand in the way of getting the money she saw as being rightfully hers because she stole her man away from another woman. That's the only thing that made it rightfully yours. One day, Tom came home to find a disheveled Pat on the porch. And when he asked what happened between sobs, Pat told Tom that she visited his father at his office in hopes of helping the family to reconcile their differences. As she had pleaded for Walter to resolve the issues with his son, the elder Allenson exposed himself while making lewd remarks to her. That's her story. Tom was outraged and was intent on confronting his father. Pat, however, insisted he would not. She agreed to a restraining order instead, and a couple of weeks after the order was granted, Pat told Tom she'd heard rumors that Walter intended to kill his own son. Alternatively, Walter told friends he believed Tom was planning to kill him. A pistol and a rifle had recently been stolen, stolen from his home, and he believed that it was his son who had done so. Police searched Tara, the house, but never found the stolen weapons. The less communication there was between Tom and his parents, the greater the tensions grew among them when they were forced to speak. It was the perfect setting for a narcissistic sociopathic woman to make her next move. Huh. Anonymous threatening phone calls were pouring in unrelentingly to both Allenson's homes. Of course, of course, each blamed the other. Things escalated on July 29, 1974, when Walter and Caroline were driving down a country road and they were shot at by someone. Terrified, the couple notified police who searched the area for the shooter to no avail, but Caroline and Walter knew that Tom was behind it. On the night of August 3rd, 1974, Tom dropped Pat off at the doctor, then walked over to see his mother when he was sure that his father was not going to be home. Pat had told Tom that someone had been calling their house all night long and would say nothing when she would pick up. She was absolutely sure it was Walter, so Tom felt it was time to try to straighten things out. Otherwise, Tom thought his father might try to shoot him off his horse in the parade that weekend. Caroline was not home at the time, but Tom knew she would return shortly. To avoid seeing his father, he then hid in the basement to await his mother coming home. Of course. Meanwhile, an anonymous caller spoke to Walter at work claiming to have seen Tom enter their basement. Walter rushed home where he realized the, the electricity was off, so he went straight to the basement to look around where he found the switch box had been tampered with. He attempted to call the police, but the phone line had also been cut. Walter then went to a neighbor's home to use the phone to get the police out there, and when the police arrived, Walter said he'd taken care of the situation himself, so they left. Walter then returned to the basement and began shooting randomly. Caroline was home at this point. This is where I... This all came from the same article, so I'm confused about this. But this article said he was shooting randomly, and then he called up to Caroline saying that Tom was in the basement and he had him cornered and that he needed the gun that he had just purchased. So the... the, So she then grabbed it and brought it down to him after shots had already been fired. Okay. So I feel like that was a miswrite on that article. Yeah. It's part. But once again, I'm doing the best that I can here. (laughs) Um, All right. So moving on. When the police arrived again in response to another emergency call, they found Caroline Allenson sitting upright on the basement steps shot dead. Through the basement window, they could see Walter laying on the ground. He had been shot numerous times, and the police immediately suspected Tom. The feud between the Allensons was no secret to anyone, nor were the reasons why the feud began, so it goes without saying why Tom was the detective's first and prime suspect. Despite Tom's insistence that he did not kill his parents, he was arrested and charged with two counts of homicide. Pat immediately retained the services of a local attorney to represent her husband. Tom's attorney was often at odds with his client's new bride. She was bossy, critical, and insisted on directing her husband's defense. Pat, however, insisted on Tom and his attorney using her version of events, while Tom insisted that he just tell the truth. That is, he didn't murder his parents and he did not know who did. As Tom awaited trial in jail, Pat visited as often as allowed, During one of those visits, she presented Tom with a Bible, which was one of the few books inmates were allowed to have from the outside. What jail personnel didn't know, however, is the sacred book was a tool for Pat to instigate a suicide pact. Thereafter, every chance she got, Patricia begged the man she loved to join her in suicide so they would not be separated. Tom considered it, often thought about it, but simply could not bring himself to carry it out. Pat, of course, had never had any intention of following through on her end. Pat went on to cry crocodile tears and fantastic display of emotion when Tom was escorted out of the courtroom following his sentence to a life in prison. The reality, however, was she now had everything she ever wanted. She had her home, Tara, which sat on Kentwood Farms. And even though it was still heavily mortgaged, it was still her home. She still had her horses, and she was happy. She didn't even have a man that she had to answer to anymore. The debt was mostly owed to Tom's paternal grandparents, who were lovingly referred to as Papa and Nona. So, like, she didn't even owe, like, the government or a bank or anything. She owed family. Uh, And we all know that she does not care about family. Yeah. With Walter and Caroline gone and Tom in prison... The couple was a prime target for a gold-digging murderer. Putting on her best scarlet-like charm, Pat moved the elderly couple into her home and insisted she be their sole care provider. Don't do it. In declining health and with no other family nearby to help them, the couple was thankful for Pat's generosity, or lack thereof. Soon, Pat had convinced the Allensons that she and Tom, despite his status as a prison inmate, should be the sole heirs of the estate. PaPa and Nona agreed and updated their wills to reflect such, completely disinheriting their only remaining child, Tom's aunt, Jean Boggs. Like, what fucking bullshit? <laughs> what bullshit? Nona's health began to deteriorate, deteriorate rapidly, and although she had suffered some ailments for a while, she had never been bedridden as she was during her stay at Tara. Papa was heartbroken, and as a result, his health too. Was declining. And in such a short time, he lost his son and his daughter in law to murder, and his grandson was in prison, and his wife was now falling ill. His daughter was angry and not speaking to him other than to berate Pat. And the one person who seemed to care about something more than his money was Pat. But really, she's all in it for the money. Yeah. Jean, however, finally broke through. After notifying the authorities of her suspicions, tests showed that Nona and Pawpaw both had arsenic in their systems. And a surprise testimony from Pat's daughter, Susan, claiming she saw her mother put arsenic in the elderly couple's food and drink, caused Pat to finally face the consequences for her actions. The Scarlet O'Hara wannabe went away to prison. (laughs) However... This would not be a great crime show if it did not continue from here. Yeah, of course. So American prisons, being overcrowded as they are and filled with too many inmates with petty records, allow for murderers such as Pat to be released ever after a relatively short period of time. The Georgia Department of Corrections had unleashed a narcissistic murderess on a society completely unaware of the evil slinking among them. In search of employment, Pat convinced a prominent Atlanta, Georgia couple... Mr. and Mrs. Jimmy Christ Sr. to hire her and her da- daughter Debbie as at-home caregivers. Yep. At-home caregivers. Yeah. Mr. Christ lived only a short time after Pat began working for them. The Christ family was convinced Pat neglected Jimmy and poisoned his wife Betty Crist. But the thefts of Pat and Debbie were the only thing which could be proven. The thieving duo had stolen money and valuables from the couple... It was learned that Pat had lied about being a licensed nurse. Taking full responsibility for the thefts, Pat pleaded guilty to multiple charges in June 1991. She was sentenced to serve another eight years in prison. Prison gives a man, I mean a woman, a lot of time to think. And during his time in prison, oh no, we are talking about Tom, my bad. I thought I made a good joke there. (laughs) Prison gives a man a lot of time to think, and during his time in prison, Tom had come to realize several things. Pat was not who she pretended to be, and she had used him to orchestrate the murder of his parents and would do anything for riches. Money was the only thing that mattered, and Pat was the only person that Pat had truly loved. It took you going to jail to see that? Clearly. Okay. After serving 15 years in prison, Tom was released. Soon afterwards, Tom found himself as someone the police wanted to interview. This time, they weren't interested in accusing him of any crime. They wanted to know more about the evil, manipulative woman he'd once called his wife. Tom was more than happy to oblige. I bet you were. (laughs) Pat was released from prison in 1999. She went to live with her stepfather and his new wife, whom he'd married after the death of Pat's mother. There, she opened a doll shop she named named Pat's Pretty Playthings. Say that five times fast. In 2008, Pat was charged with doctor shopping and fraudulently obtaining more than 3,700 painkillers in less than a year. Bitch. (laughs) Bitch. I'd be high all the time. She was charged with three counts of unauthorized distribution. She entered a plea agreement with a sentence of probation only. How much more will the lady known as Pat Taylor get away with before she kills someone else? So Tom Allenson has used his experience in prison to create a men's post-release program. It's called Set Free Aftercare. Each year, he provides a multitude of services, including housing for men recently released from prison, His mission is to provide a more smooth transition from the prison to society living in the hopes that few inmates will return to a life of crime and ultimately prison. Pat's only son passed away in 2004, and it was said that she engaged in a heated battle with his widow over his remains. Once again, a classy bitch. Yeah. And lastly, there is a movie based on this case. It's also based on Anne Rule's well-written intense book about Pat Allenson's frequent, uh, Pat Allenson's life. And I forgot to look up the title of that. So I do apologize. <laughs> it's fine. I do apologize. But like I said, this is like one of those stories where I feel like there are definitely a couple of different variations of this. Where, yeah. But... It was a good story. It was a quick story. I text Trish earlier this morning though, and I was like, so I finally was able to pull up my research for the first time in two weeks, and I could not find my spot in all of the research. <sighs> yeah. So I picked it up the best that I could. Once again, this is the Hot Mess Express. Thanks for riding along. I'll kick you off to the last call.
0: Welcome back to another last call with your bartender, Trish. And Going along with things that we've seen on TikTok recently, I decided for my last call, I wanted to talk about how in Egypt they have recently unearthed at least 250 mummies. Leave them. (laughs)
1: Leave them. Have we learned nothing from the mummy (laughs) in Jurassic Park? Jumanji. All of it. (laughs) Leave it be. There are spirits resting, and they need to rest for yeah. the rest of eternity. So, the article that I pulled up is from the
0: Washington Post, and the title reads: "Egypt Unearths Trove of Artifacts, 250 Mummies in Ancient Necro, like Necro Necropolis." I think is how they say it. Say it with confidence. <laughs> Zingzu! <laughs> right. <laughs> so, archaeologists archeolo- in Egypt announced Monday, and this was posted May 31st, so this is literally like just a couple weeks ago, announced they had uncovered a trove of ancient artifacts at the necropolis of Saquara near Cairo. Including mummies and bronze statues dating back 2,500 years. And I'm just thinking of the TikTok that popped up with like this, and it was the hell nah to,
1: to the, the nah, nah, nah. nah <laughs> hell to the nah. <laughs> hey. Hey, I've known that song since way before <laughs> TikTok. That is not a TikTok song. But
0: still, like, that's the article. Like, when I first saw this, that was the one that popped will, up. And I went.
1: I will never forget whenever I start first started working at the restaurant that you and I <laughs> mutually worked together at. Yep. One of the guys on the line started singing that. And I turned around and I started singing it with him. And he looked at me, looked at me and he goes, What the hell do you know about that? You need to shut up. <laughs> Sir, I know a lot about some soul. I got the soul. I know I'm light-skinned on the outside. Oh, I am.
0: But yeah, so in Egypt, they have uncovered at least 250 well-preserved mummies. Nope. They have also nope. uncovered 150 bronze statues of Egyptian deities and instruments used for rituals dating back to the late period of ancient Egypt. Nope. So, like, two of the, like, statues that, like, people have been focusing on are of the Egyptian goddesses Isis and Um, They are pretty much, like, supposed to be, like, statues that basically make these people have, like, peaceful, like, burials and stuff and, like, help direct them to the underworld. And that and I'm like, yeah, we're fucking this all up, aren't we? Aren't we? Because we're nosy southern bitches. <laughs> okay. Those fucking white people. <laughs> this is in Egypt. They're not all
1: white, but still. All right, but I like to blame the white people because <laughs> I'm white, so I can
0: right. I can blame
1: the white people. Those fucking white people, leave that shit alone. Uh, the the Egyptian
0: government is hoping a a spat of re- recent recent archaeology, if I can even speak. The Egyptian government is hoping a spat of recent archaeological discoveries will help re- revive the country's tourism industry. No, you're not making me feel
1: better.
0: <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you're not making me feel better about any of this. Uh, bringing much-needed foreign currency and creating new jobs. Hell nah, okay? If you're on the same side of TikTok as I am, you know that you let those spirits rest you ain't fuck with nothing, okay? If black TikTok and indigenous, indigenous yep. TikTok has taught me anything, you hear strange- Mind your own business. <laughs> you hear a strange noise in the woods, you fucking go inside and you act like you heard shit, okay? Nothing. Not at all. You see something, you don't go after it. You say, nope, nope. You turn around and go home. <laughs> nah, Okay? <laughs> Save your own life. You, you find something in an attic that you didn't put there. Don't touch it. Don't try to figure it out. You let it be. <laughs> Leave it in the crawl space. It don't need you. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I like literally saw this and I was like. We're about to have some mummy. Some oh, mummy shit pop God. up. Where's Brendan Fraser?
1: Send him on out. Where's Evie? Send him out. Send him out. <laughs>
0: send him um, out. Send him out. Oh my gosh, we just recently, me and Logan just recently introduced one of our friends to the mummy like series. And so, like,
1: you know, let's mummy, just, let's just first say she's bisexual. Yeah. The,
0: that. the first mummy, it's like an introduction. You're like, okay, okay. Second mummy, you're like, well, fuck. <laughs> I I find everybody in this movie attractive. How? How? <laughs> but. Yeah. I was like when this popped up, I was like, did we learn nothing from the mummy? You you let you let shit stay buried. You don't you don't try to unearth it. Okay, I understand.
1: Uh, they didn't learn through uh Jurassic Park either and they keep digging up these dinosaur eggs. Yeah. It's we true. already have dinosaurs. They're called alligators and crocodiles. And chickens. <laughs> yes. And yes, chickens are related to to dinosaurs. Look it up but yes uh it's it's just crazy
0: like like i said sloan did the thing about the
1: sinkhole basically the prehistoric trees i'm just waiting for the tired (laughs) (laughs) axle. sometimes i wish y'all could see us like videoing this But also, it's good that you don't. <laughs> but if you're willing to pay for that, let us know. <laughs> we can make it an
0: upgrade. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I saw this and I was like, I got, I got to talk about this shit. Because even if Sloan hasn't seen this, I know you'll have some strong feelings.
1: Okay. <laughs> I do. I do. I, I. Once again, I know that it wasn't white people, but these fucking white people, like. <laughs> why do we have to go i'm sure the archaeologist was white okay <laughs> let's be honest i'm hired local help yes probably hello that's what white people do colonialism oh <laughs> uh, anyways i probably pissed enough people off so on that note um if that pissed you off do not leave us a review if, <laughs> if you agreed, interested. if you agreed leave us a review a rating, all that good stuff. Follow us on the socials. We've got the Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. All that fun, all stuff. That fun stuff. Tequila She Wrote across the board. We have our email at tequilashewrote at gmail.com. And of course our Patreon where you can subscribe for as little as $2 a month. And with that you would get ad-free episodes, bonus content. The more you pay, the more you get. And if you have anything that you would like to see from us over there that we're not Offering, let us know. Maybe we'd we would like to give it a try. Yeah, like I said, I think videos would be funny, but also not because it would be <laughs> it would be embarrassing. You'd see the hot mess express and full full steam. So, from my perspective, I don't want to put that out on the internet, <laughs> but I understand that people would be willing to pay to see the embarrassing shit. So, like, if you're willing, just let us know. We would think about it, consider it. I just don't want to put it up. Nobody's going to give a shit. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. All right. On that note, y'all have a great day. Thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. <laughs>